All right, I think we're ready. Thank you, Paula. Again, uh, would you guys grab your Bibles in whatever form you have them in? Turn with me to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. Let's uh, prepare our hearts to receive from the Lord this evening. Father, we just thank you. Draw near to us, Holy Spirit. We thank you for your kingdom. We thank you that you are intentionally restoring and giving and showing your presence and your love to us. I thank you for who you are and all the kind things you do. Now, Lord, would you, in a sense, let us see your son in the midst of what we're talking about this evening and help us connect with him. And I thank you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. All right, so in John chapter 17, before we go to the specific scripture, we have Jesus now getting ready. He knows he's going to the cross, and he's getting ready for it. And what he's going to do now is he's going to pray a prayer. So this is his prayer in John chapter 17. And I know that you guys would probably say this. I'm always asking the questions, well, if I had to take someone's prayer and pray it back to the Lord, which prayer do I think God would answer? I think this one he might answer. Right? So what he's doing in this prayer is he's beginning to ask God to do several things for his people in the age coming. He talks about being set apart by the truth. He talks about God drawing near him. And I'm actually going to take a portion of the prayer, and I'm going to develop it this evening. And even though it's a prayer, it's amazing what Jesus is asking the Father to do. So we're going to John 17, verse 18. Would you go there with me? John 17, verse 18. And it's just a simple phrase, but um, the more I study the Bible, just to show you guys this, the more I study Scripture, I'm amazed on how the words that are used, the way that God communicates, they are not wasted. They are very powerful, and they have a specific impact that God is looking for. So it says this, As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Now what I want to do is I just want to take, this is a prayer. He's praying this. So you have sent me, Father, Uh, So I have sent them into the world. What I want to do is I want to take these words that Jesus talks about and say, well, what was he actually praying for here? Now, this is important for you and I because how Jesus prayed this prayer is how the grace of God is being released into my life and your life right now. And so he says this, as you have sent me into the world, let's take the word sent, sorry, the word sent. It's apostello. That's where we get the word apostle. And it means to be sent away, obviously, but it's really interesting. Stello, that Greek word, actually means to send. It's Apollo, apos, apostello, Apollo. This is the interesting part of the word. Why am I saying that? It doesn't mean to just send like, hey, go over there and get some groceries. The word actually carries a power or an authority or a weight behind it. So you're actually being sent with a, an authority or a weight to do something. So it points back to what was God's intent when he sent Jesus? What was the weight or the authority of how he sent him? Now, if you guys are like I am, there's this thing that goes on in Christianity, especially when it comes to Jesus and his ministry, that I want to try to take a shot at. Obviously, he's the son of God. He has the fullness of the, the Godhead resting on him bodily. But there are some things that he says to you and I that are for us to walk in because he was what we call the prototype that God wanted. And this is one of those phrases. When he says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you, the word points back to what we call a strong conviction on the heart of God of how he sent Jesus. So let's work through that. The connection is with the sender, not the person being sent. So God is saying how the Father has sent me is how he is going to send you. Now let's take the word world here. So I have sent you into the world. Interesting, in the original language, uh, the word for world, cosmos, is where we get the word cosmetic. Are you guys aware of that? And it also is the word for earth. So cosmos means beauty or earth, beautiful earth. Isn't that interesting? But it also carries the idea of people that are on the planet. So Jesus is saying, so the Father has sent me, so I send you into 
the world. And the term that's actually used here in the language means the ungodly multitude. The ungodly multitude. So the whole mass of mankind who is alienated from God, who is hostile to God and his cause, that's how you've been sent to. Now, does that, any of you want to say amen real quick? Because um, most of us come to the Lord and our goal is to stay away from the world because it's so wicked, so evil, and we always believe that their wickedness has more power over our godliness that we're always corrupted by it. So we always try to start Christian communes that go out into the middle of Colorado so that we never have to be with that ungodly world. And yet Jesus is saying, this is why it's so important. If he has gone into the world and that didn't destroy him, the same thing was resting on him is going to now rest on you and you don't have to be afraid of the world. God intentionally wants you to go among people. And I find that amazing because what it's going to point to as we're going to look at this is it's telling us that God's mission of showing love is very intentional on how it reaches people. And we have to join him in that. And by the way, just so that we understand this, apostello, where we get the word apostle, the word apostle doesn't just mean someone sent on a mission. It means a power of something sent on a mission too. So when we're intentionally trying to go out into the world, that thing that was resting on Jesus that broke people free, caused them to be healed and set free is what's resting on you when you come into alignment with that part of God's heart. Thanks, Bob. So, how did God send Jesus? Go with me to Isaiah 61, would you? It's Isaiah 61, verse 1 and 2. How did God send Jesus? Now, most, most people, when you ask, I, I always do this before I do sermons, I ask people questions as I'm trying to, okay, here's what the scripture says. I want to see how people understand this. I always ask people, well, what did you believe uh, God the Father sent Jesus to do? And I get kind of this. Well, he sent him to obviously be born and to be the Messiah and then to die on the cross and to give us justification by faith. And all those things are actually true, but that's not the only thing God sent Jesus to do. And so it's interesting, in Isaiah 61, verse 1 and 2, this is Jesus. You guys remember, he actually comes into the temple, and they don't have the Bible set apart with chapters or verses. It says Jesus actually takes the scroll of Isaiah and finds this passage one day while he's in the synagogue, and he says, hey, and he quotes this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty for captives, and to open the prison for those who are bound, and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. He, so he actually stands up and he sits down, you guys know the story, and it's a, he says, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. He's saying, this is what's going on right now in human history. And so when Jesus comes on the scene... He's actually coming to say, what is how the Father has sent me? He sent me to bring liberty to people, to set them free, to bind up the brokenhearted, to do the work of showing what we call God's favor. Now, when we use the word favor, um, you guys ever look at it, I do. Sometimes we say, well, I want the blessing of the Lord on my life. And I think we all should have that. Uh, being in Jesus, that actually means that, but this is what we call defined blessing. This is one of the defined blessings of the Bible, that there should be liberty coming to me. There should be a setting free effect that not only touches me, but goes from me to other people. And this is what Jesus is actually saying. This is how the Father has actually sent me to be with people. Now, um, some of my history, you guys, uh, if you don't know this, I was actually born in Colorado raised here, went to college twice here, and then moved out to Kansas City. And so one of the colleges I went to was in Cara Springs, uh, Nazarene Bible College, down off of Academy. And um, while I was there, I'm in a, you know, I'm doing my studies and praying and doing that kind of stuff you're supposed to do when you're in Bible college. And I'm, I'm constantly having the Lord begin to have this conversation with me about what it means to actually bear your cross and follow him. Have you guys ever read those passages? Where Jesus doesn't say, well, I didn't just want you to accept me. I actually want you to follow me. 
And so I'm praying one day, and the Lord starts this conversation with me. I, I thought I was committed to him, and he starts this conversation with me. Brian, are you actually willing to pick up your cross and follow me? Now, uh, that's a kind of a hard question from God while you're in Bible college because you think, I've already made all the commitments. And so, do you guys ever have these seasons where God asks you a question and you think, what does this actually apply to in any area of my life? But it, God's looking for a response before he shows you what he wants you to do. So, I actually responded to the Lord, yes, I'm willing to daily pick up my cross and follow you. And that was the end of the conversation. Then, lo and behold, uh, as we did as Bible college students, we were so poor as Bible college. By the way, if you go to Bible college, you're always poor. We, were, we used to actually get together on the weekends and bring our food together because that was the only way we could survive is if we did a community eating as people being trained to be ministers. So I'm with my friends, and we're over their house, and we're having a barbecue. And one of them says, hey, would you come with me? We're running out of charcoal. Come over to me into my apartment. We'll get it. I just want to visit with you because... Um, as we were going through Bible college, we always debated scriptures as we were walking along. Do you guys do any of this kind of stuff, by the way? Okay, none of you. Okay, good. Yeah, it's on Facebook. There you go. And so we're having some discussion about I don't know what, but he says, hey, why don't you sit here? I'm, I, I know I'm going to get the charcoal, but I need to do a couple things, so why don't you just watch TV? I'm like, great. All right, so I turn on the TV. I'm flipping the channels, and this is back in the day, remember, when we only had three channels, PBS, and in Cara Springs, at that time, we got TBN. Do you guys know what TBN is? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So, and this is back in 1986. Okay. So, I, back in 1986, I'm starting to watch TBN. And I, um, uh, just to be full disclosure, I used to mock TBN. I used to make fun of their hair, the way they're dressed, all their, the, I wasn't charismatic at that time. I didn't think we need needed to be charismatic because we had the Greek and the Hebrew and church history. So there's no need for any of that stuff. We just need to study it. So that was kind of my attitude. And there, there, I turn on this uh, broadcast they're doing of Benny Hinn. You guys don't know who Benny Hinn is, right? Okay. And um, I used to think he was so fun to watch because I couldn't tell the difference between him and World Federation Wrestling. Because if you ever used to watch him, he used to take his coat off and hit people, and then they would wham, hit the ground. And then I'd turn it to World Federation Wrestling and almost watch him do the exact same thing. And so I thought, Benny Hinn must have got his style from watching this. And Anyways. And so he's doing this thing called Eurofire, and he's in Germany. And I'm just, I'm listening to him, and, I, and everything he's saying, I'm just like, oh, his doctrine's so bad. This guy's just so awful. And, and he's talking to the cameraman, and he's telling the cameraman, I need to jump off the stage here. The Lord is leading me to go pray for the people in the audience. And the cameraman's telling him, I can't follow you because our cords won't go that long. And, he, and this is a live broadcast. And he's going, well, I have to obey the Lord. So he jumps off this stage and kind of runs into the crowd. And when he does, the crowd envelops him. So you can't see Benny Hinn anymore. And I see a hand go up in the air like this, and it touched someone on the head, and this whole entire row fell out on the ground. And I thought, oh, that's kind of different. And then it went up again and touched another row, and wham, the whole entire row fell on the ground. And it was like this, it was like someone threw a bowling ball in the middle of a crowd of people, and they were just going over all over the place, and I'm watching that. Now, tell me if you guys have these kind of experiences. Do you ever watch movies or watch something, and the Spirit of the Lord encounters you? And then you realize, oh, I'm going to have a God moment? I have the Lord encounter me, and I thought the Lord was going to come and say, yeah, see how goofy the body of Christ is? But he didn't. He said, Brian, that's what it looked like when my son ministered, and I'm still ministering today. Now, when he said that, it was like an arrow from heaven hit my heart, and all of a sudden, I saw the healing ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you guys ready? Until you see God this way, you will not enter into it. Why is that? Have you guys ever figured that out? See, love is expressed very specifically in very tangible ways from God. And for me to step into something that Jesus is doing or to go and be a disciple, I have to be won over by the love of God. I have to be ministered to by in a unique way that satisfies me. And then what God does is he says, now, if you want to stay in that atmosphere of love, you have to participate in this. And so once I saw that, I saw that Jesus healed and Jesus restored and he wanted to be near people. I had to be there no matter what I had to pay to do that. 
I had to be in that place. And it made sense why the Lord said, now, are you going to be willing to pick up your cross and follow me? Because anywhere that God shows you his love to set people free, it's not going to be understood by people around you. Because they have to have the same experience before they can enter into it. And so when Jesus is coming and doing this, you actually see Jesus is, and if I can use the word rightly, he's like a catalyst. Everything he does, it's like he's taking a plow into fallow ground and he's just ripping it up so people can see it and then make them long because they experience the tangible sense of God's embrace around them. They long for it. And then they come into it. But when that ground is being ripped up, you're not going to have a party. People are not going to understand it. They're not going to see God's love. And you can't be upset with them. You have to pray for them to be encountered with the same dynamic love for them to enter into it. Thanks, Bob. Yeah, you're just making me feel great this evening. All right, let's keep going on. So if Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Now, catch that. He's saying, here's what I've been called to do, but it's not just me that's going to do this now. You're going to do this. So, guys, grab your Bibles and go with me to Matthew chapter 10, verse 7. Matthew chapter 10, verse 7. This is an amazing thing about Jesus. Um, Did any of you guys get the great joy to hang around evangelists? Aren't they the funnest people to be with? Because they're just so on fire for the Lord, and they just, they're just on a cutting edge all the time. Do you guys hang around evangelists at all? They're just a lot of fun. I love being around them. Why am I saying that? There's a, there's a really a reality, and it's something that we have to actually address in Western American Christianity, and it's called the difference between being a convert and a disciple. See, I think that what most people, the reason why they're not satisfied with God is they've just made a commitment, but they haven't embraced a relationship. They haven't let him be Lord, and so they're still trying to get to that place with God. The whole, you guys ever kind of studied the theology of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? The baptism of the Holy, not just how to have it, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is of emptying of yourself and saying, not my will, but yours. And then that's how you get filled with the Spirit. Now, see, that should be something, right when we come to Jesus, that should be what's launching us. Not, well, I accepted Jesus, and then I'm going to fight with him for a decade until he wears me down, and then I'm going to get baptized in the Holy Spirit and really become committed. (laughs) All right. Matthew chapter 10, verse 7. So how did Jesus, when Jesus, here Jesus is modeling this, and then he calls the 12 to him, and he says, all right, now come here. I'm going to send you out now. Now, isn't this good? He didn't say, now what I want you to do is I want you to tell everybody what I've been doing. He doesn't say that. He says this, as you go, proclaim the kingdom is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leopard, cast out demons, receive without pay, and give without pay. Okay, so, I'm sorry, you've received without pay, so give without pay. So now Jesus is saying, look, it's not enough for you to tell everybody I'm doing this. I didn't bring you to join me to just be my bodyguards. You're going to go do this now. Now, this, this discipling model that Jesus is doing with the 12 is really how Jesus sends everybody. So that, that actually means there's a call on all of our lives to have mentors in our lives that are challenging us to be like Jesus in word and deed. Isn't that good? Oh, three of you are looking at me like, yes, and the rest of you are looking at me like, I don't know, Brian. Now, by the way, if, think about it. If you were here with Jesus right now and you wanted to be a disciple, this is the standard he would put before you. He'd say, you have to go do this. There's three types of people that follow Jesus all the time. Have you guys ever heard this? There's three types of people that follow Jesus. There's the skeptic, and so every time Jesus does something, there's someone there to criticize him. There's the the person that is fascinated by Jesus. They just think Jesus is so cool, and they like him doing all his miracles, but they'll never follow him, and they'll never do what he says, but he's really a lot of fun to hang out with. And then the third group of people are called disciples. And these are people that said, I've given my life to you. We are in a love covenant with each other, and wherever you go, I'm going to follow you. Now, remember, you see those three people, and they follow. This is what goes on in human history. There are always three types of people that follow Jesus around. So my goal is to say, okay, so I don't want to just hang around Jesus because he does cool things. 
I want to follow him and do exactly what he does. And that's what he's doing with the disciples. He's uh, doing ministry. They're watching him do ministry. And then he says, now you go do ministry and come on back and we'll actually talk about this. And a lot of people say this, and I, and I think it's true. Catch this inference. Jesus is actually sending what we call the 12 who later become apostles. They, they weren't immediately designated as apostles. They were disciples first, then apostles. And the way he sent them was exactly how he went. Okay? So he sends them, they come back, and they start doing this. When I, I'm, I'm looking at Matthew chapter 10. This is still back in the 19, I think this was like 1989. Yeah, that's right, 1989. I'm working at a company um, here that was in Cara Springs. It was called Skyline, and they make uh, skylights and road signs. So all those big signs you see when you're heading up into the mountains that say, well, there's snow and stuff like that, and they're flash. Those are made by Skyline. I, I've made a bunch of those things. I worked at that company, and God's having these conversations. I'm still in Bible college, and I, it was amazing. I used to go around, I don't know if you guys ever do this, I used to go around to Skyline and try to convict everybody of their sins all the time. So I was always starting this conversation with people. Hey, you know, and these are um, construction workers, which those are unique guys anyways, aren't they? I, I'd have a conversation with them, like, they're like, you're a minister? I'm like, yeah. And, and then they would start mocking me, and so the only way I knew how to respond back was saying, well, hey, if you don't turn to the Lord, you're going to be burning like french fries tonight in hell. <laughs> that's that's kind of how I did evangelism. And so I had everyone at my workplace mad at me, didn't want to talk to me, and the Lord starts talking to me about doing what he was doing, and I thought, well, I can't do it here. And he specifically said, you need to do it here. Now... <laughs> Do you guys ever have Jesus challenge you to do something you're not comfortable with, and then you try to reason with him while that idea is not a good idea for you? I try to intentionally say, now don't you get it? I have to feed my family with this job, and if I start doing what you said to do, they're going to fire me. And I thought it was very nice of the Lord to say, well, they don't hold your job anyways, I do. So if they fire you, I'll just give you another job. And I thought, well, how do you reason with that? And so... I'd already made a fool of myself in a bad way, didn't help anyone come to the Lord. They all basically didn't like me, and so the Lord said, now this time I want you to try to show compassion to him. Okay. So I'm try how do you do that? I'm trying to figure out how to pray for people and all this stuff, and I'm with um, this one guy. Now, the, the Lord actually said, when you see a sick person and I put him in proximity of you, that's your people you pray for. Just don't ask who you should pray for all the time. That's what the Lord shared with me. Don't ask who to pray for. If they're sick and they're around you, pray for them. I thought, well, that, that, <laughs> I don't have to worry about being led. That's pretty simple. If they're sick, there they are. So I'm doing my work one day, and I'm in this one part where I'm fashioning the skylights, and I have to be by this really hot oven that's at about 400 degrees. And I'm walking to go um, do something while the plastic's melting, and it's on a timer, and this guy from another part of the, the skylight division comes up, and he has his arm up like this. And if, you, if, if women understand how men are, they, this would solve most problems in the universe. Guys love playing practical jokes and being smart Alex. And so this is what we did as we were working all the time. So I'm watching him, and he's up like this, and I walk up to him, and I say, hey, what are you doing? And he says, man... Yesterday I was doing something in my yard, and I pulled this muscle in my back. I mean, it hurts so bad. If the only place it's halfway tolerable is for me to have my arm up like this, and I'm watching him try to pick up glass with a finger. <laughs> I said, "So it really hurts, right?" And he's, "Yeah. I mean, this is killing me." And I and I realized, "Oh no, I have to pray for this guy." So I said, "Hey, do you mind? I'm trying to learn to do something right now. Would you mind if I pray for you?" And he goes, "Yeah." He said, so you're, you're going to, now here's what he thought he, I meant. So you're going to go home right now and get on your knees and pray for me? And I said, no, that's not what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for you right now because I, I want to see if God will heal you. Would you let me just experiment on you? And so he, he looks at me like, yeah, I don't know if I'm comfortable with that. And I said, well, do you want to be any better? I mean, I'm trying to figure out how this works. And he goes, okay. So uh, when you first learn to do this, I don't want to get into all the being afraid and I'm going to miss it. I start praying for him, and I'm like, Lord, how do you want me to pray for him? And the Lord just, in a very loving way, in a very gentle way, just said, just command the pain to leave. I thought, wow, is it that easy? Well, with Jesus, it is, isn't it? So 
Now I just kind of put my hand on his shoulder and I said, well, what I'm having a sense I'm supposed to do is I'm going to speak to the pain to leave. And he goes, okay. I said, pain, leave in the name of Jesus. <laughs> now this doesn't, I wish it worked every time this way. Wouldn't that be great? But he just dropped his arm. And we both actually looked at each other like, what just happened? Now, if you ever watch someone get instantly healed, they try to re-injure their body because they can't believe they're healed. So he actually went up to a, a frame on the wall and rammed his shoulder in it to see if it, this whole area was actually in pain. I, I was like, that's the weirdest thing I've ever seen in my life. And he's pulling his arm up and doing this kind of stuff all over the place, and he realizes he, he's healed. The love of God washes over him, and something catches him that he's been longing for. He walks away from me and goes to the other department, and I'm watching him. He's talking to each person in his department. He's lifting his shoulder up like this, and then he's going like this, and then he's lifting his arms like this, and he's pointing back at me, and I'm watching him as I'm forming things, and, and he's pointing at me. So now everyone comes up to me, as I've said. It was, that was the best time when I worked at that company, but it was also the worst time all combined into one. Because the love of God decided it was going to come into that workplace, and then because of it, the most intense persecution came after me after that person got healed. Now, don't be upset about that. That's fun. So... Now he gets healed, and I'm having the, the guys on the construction site mock me. What, do you think you can heal me? I mean, they're doing that kind of stuff. And as the, you guys are ready, they would actually surround me and mock me and persecute me. And then when, they would, when I would walk away from them, one of them would peel off, find me, tell me all their problems, and want me to minister to them. And it just kept going on. And what would happen is I would, I would just say, well, can I just bless you? And I'd start praying for him. And this one guy actually um, manifested a couple demons on our job site. I got to cast him out, and he, he got touched by the power of God. And so he went around and told everyone, this is going on at work. I'm trying to form stuff and pray for people, and Jesus is touching them. And, and no one liked, uh, if you think healing upset everybody, just could you imagine what it's like if someone got delivered of a demon at your workplace? That made everyone upset. So I had everyone, I don't know why, I guess they wanted to keep their own demons or something, but I had, I had guys walking up to me mocking me. And one guy said to me one day, and I shared this the other night, he goes, hey, you drove that demon out of that guy? And he's like, yeah, the, like there's a demon. He says, how many demons do I have? <laughs> as we're trying to leave for the day. And I just turned my heart to the Lord. I didn't think God would answer it. I thought, well, God, I mean, does the guy actually even have demons? And the Lord said, yeah, he has seven of them. Tell him that. And I said, well, you actually have seven. And he goes, what are you talking about? And I said, well, when you're a child, your father used to be abusive. And what is caused inside of you is a demonic spirit has created you to be fixated on porn, and you struggle with anger, and there's all kinds of resentment. And I just named off seven ways that demonic spirits were infiltrating his life. And he, it's just like an explosion happened with him, and he realized the spirit of the Lord is here, and he kind of just ran away from me. Now, why, these are fun stories, aren't they? But why, why, why am I telling you this? Jesus never separated the good news from the power of God coming after it's given. In fact, a lot of the good news is given by doing something first and then giving the good news. So you see what we call balancing act. Sometimes Jesus gave the good news and then uh, released God's restoration to people, and other times he released restoration and then gave them the good news. It's kind of a dance with God, isn't it? All right, go with me to Luke chapter 10, verse 1 and 2, and let's look at this. So Jesus sent out the 12. He just said, look, I went and did this. You get to go do this. Now, I was sharing with everybody, do you guys realize that the culture, okay, so the, it tells us that the prince of the power of the air is working in the sons of disobedience, right? That's what it tells us in, I believe it's uh, 2 Corinthians. So if the prince of the power of the air is working in the sons of disobedience, you, you can actually pick up where the spirit of the Lord is moving by how the enemy is working through people that are in rebellion to him. See if I can explain that. Why is there such a fascination over the last decade over t 
television shows and movies that all revolve around heroes and the supernatural. It's because the Spirit of the Lord has intensified his activity on the earth to the point where the enemy realizes we're not going to do the atheist line anymore. That doesn't work on the culture, so we're going to do the supernatural line. And I'm going to confuse that to the point where when Christians start stepping out and doing the supernatural, I have people that are doing false ministry trying to do the same thing. And so, and you guys realize this, longing for being a hero in all these hero movies that we all see, do you realize what that longing is? The Spirit of God has created you to have the power of God move through you, and a natural person should have a miraculous God doing dynamic things in their life, and that's why we like him, and that's why we long for him. And isn't it amazing? You don't have to play this game and write these scripts that really are false. You can actually step into that inheritance. Jesus called you to let him be dynamic through you. And there's a longing in all of us for this. Luke chapter 10, verse 1 and 2. I've covered this with you guys before when I was with you. This passage is really powerful because it's the only place in the Gospels where it talks about the worldwide harvest of people into the kingdom of God. And, and it's interesting, in Luke chapter 10, verse 1, he calls 70 others. So here, can you imagine, that actually means, think about this, it means that every time Jesus goes into a city, him and then the, the disciples are healing and delivering so many people that people are getting, in a sense, it's like a sweeping arm is just bringing them into the kingdom, and then they realize, oh, I can't live the way I lived before, i got to be like you. So that means he's already sending out the 12. There's such a movement or momentum behind what Jesus is doing. He has 70 other disciples now that are ready to go out, and so he says, now you guys go out. And you got, look here with me at Luke chapter 10, verse 1. It says this. And he says to them, heal the sick and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. Um, you guys, I think, are teaching on the kingdom right now, aren't you? The, the, the idea of Jesus saying the kingdom is at hand or the kingdom of God is among you, he's trying to make what we would call a reality statement. He's saying everything that you're longing for in the future after you pass away is available right now. It's available now. The kingdom is now. That's probably the best way to say it. The kingdom is now. Sometimes when we say the kingdom is at hand, people are like, what does that mean, at hand? It just means the kingdom is available now. And so the things that you and I are going to experience in the fullness is actually available right now. Now, after I started doing this adventure with praying for people and watching the Lord heal and kind of tripping and falling and stuff, the Lord sends me to Kansas City. And one of the first things he does is he says, Brian, I want you. Now, I've been trained to be a minister. I'm ready to church plant. The Lord says, I don't want you to do any of that. I want you to go to Kansas City, and I want your gifting to make room for itself. So I don't want you advertising yourself or saying anything. I want my spirit to work through you. So I want you to start small groups. So I spent, I'm still doing them now. I'm just about to start another small group. I've been doing small groups for more than 25 years and pastoring people. When I'm in Kansas City, the, the Lord has me start a small group, and um, it was kind of a, a funny small group in the fact that when we got there, the Lord just kind of said, what I want you to do is I want you to do a simple teaching, and then I want you to invite my presence to come and minister to my people. That seems pretty simple, doesn't it? You'd be amazed on how many groups don't ever do that kind of stuff. Because that was going on in the group, Jesus lifted up his name, and at one point, we're, you know, small groups aren't supposed to be larger than 10 people. We had, we had a group at one point of over 50 people in someone's living room. They went all the way up the hallway and were in either the bathroom or the other bedrooms trying to hear what we were saying. It was the most bizarre thing, and the people didn't go to the church that I went to. They were going to Catholic church and Anglican churches and Word of Faith churches and Baptist churches. And I wouldn't see them on the weekend, but I'd see them in our small group. And I'm like, I'd ask them, why are you here? <laughs> That's not a good way of doing stuff. But I asked them, why are you here? And they're like, well, because Jesus is here. Now, you guys ready? The reason why a lot of the stuff we do doesn't have the impact that it's supposed to is because Jesus is not among us doing his thing. That's hard to say, isn't it? The more we let Jesus, and it wasn't that we weren't teaching doctrine and doing all the stuff we were supposed to, but there was a very specific way that Jesus wanted the kingdom to advance. He wanted it advanced by teaching and training and by his presence to be among us. 
And when I started saying that, the Lord started saying, now you're doing, uh, you guys ready? At, at one point in Kansas City, I'm leading two small groups a week, and I'm on the ministry team of this church that has five congregations. And so every Sunday morning and every Sunday night, I'm with another group of ministry people just praying, literally the last person leaving the church. And the Lord starts telling me, um, you're going to wear yourself out if you don't learn to give this away. <laughs> it sounds like you've heard this before, right, John? Uh, Bob. Um, so I'm like, well, how do I do that? And he says, well, do it the way I did it. Take someone that thinks they can't do this and develop a friendship with them and then model it in front of them and then get them to participate with you. So uh, at one point they used to do Sunday night services. I, I used to take the people that hated doing ministry to those services to be on the ministry team with me. And I always had the ministry team coordinator going, these people don't know how to do ministry. Why are you bringing them with you? And I'm going, well, they're not going to learn if I don't throw them in. So I would actually be with them doing ministry. Now, by the way, I still do this. You guys should be doing this. Um, and what I would see is if you have mentors and you have people that you can talk with along the way, everyone's supposed to be in the middle of this. Are you guys aware of the fact that because the way that we structure certain things, we come into buildings and we don't learn how to do this as a, a group of people. We learn to observe and watch. And what happens is, is we're always looking for the one person to do ministry and the rest of us are sitting back going, do ministry to me. For the growth of an apostolic release and the power of God to consistently come, it has got to go from one person to the whole group being able to do it. And once I saw that and I started trying as hard as I could to give it away, which means you just have to just back off from it and give it to people, what I started seeing was a, now we talk about this, but I actually have seen glimpses of this. I saw glimpses of revival going on every time we do this. We always had a cycle of new people coming in, and it, it, if I, the only way I could say it, it's kind of funny to say it this way, they would come in the door, the Spirit of the Lord would knock them on the ground, we'd have to get them resolved on all the stuff that they were struggling with, then train them, then they would get equipped and they'd just get launched. And we just saw, it was such a normal cycle, we we're like, oh, this is, this is not that hard to follow. They fall down on the ground, Jesus resolves all their problems, we love them, care for them, we equip them, and then they get launched. All right, now look at the last one with me. Go with me, Matthew 28, verse 17. Now, here Jesus has sent the 12. Now we have 70. The good thing, now most people would think, well, is that what he just did in his earthly ministry? Or is this the model that he's given us? Well, here in Matthew 28, he resolves that. He says this, Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe everything that I have commanded you. So he commanded them to do this. He commanded them to train people. He did it with the 70. And now here you and I are in that same thing. If we give ourselves to this thing of showing compassion and releasing God's release, his power will come and we will see a change in our families and in our communities. Let me give you one last story and then I'll be done. Um, now it's been about 18 years ago. 18 years ago, I was up in Minneapolis at a church doing um, a service on God being a father. And part of the service was um, God intentionally gave me words of knowledge to call only the men to come forward. And how he told me to do ministry it was actually to put them in a bear hug and squeeze them as tight as I could until the Spirit of the Lord broke them. Doesn't that sound like a fun way to do ministry? And, and the Lord said, I want you to actually put a towel on your arm because you're going to need it. So I put a towel on my arm. I'm hugging these guys that have all this stuff going on in them. They, they, they've been abused by their father. They have no relationship with their father. I'm talking about God being a father, and God's breaking them, and they're crying. I mean, sobbing uncontrollably, so they're literally just all their bodily fluid is coming out on the, this towel that I have on my arm. All right? And we're three days into this. Now I have more guys showing up at the meeting than I do women because every time we stop to do ministry, we're saying, okay, now God wants to come and love you as a father, and then his power would come and start touching these guys. Well, if you know anything about Minnesota, it is the haven 
for Catholics and Lutherans. And so I'm doing these meetings, and this, these people from this, uh, that, not, sorry, these people from, um, they were on staff at a Lutheran church come up to me, and they said, Brian, we'd uh, like you to come to our church and not minister in the Father heart, but minister the prophetic ministry. Would you be willing to do that? And I said, well, yeah, what, what would you, I, how do you want me to do that? Well, they said, well, our pastoral staff has a requirement of you. And I said, okay, what's that? They said, well, you have to actually come and minister to each one of the people on staff, and we're going to record everything you say, and if you miss it, you're not allowed to come and do ministry here. Now, would that put any pressure on any of you guys whatsoever? Okay. Now, you think, why would church, now, don't be upset by that. I think that's funny, don't you? Okay, no one else enjoys it. See, at that point, about that point in, in walking with the Lord, I'd been doing, I'd been praying for people and doing ministry for more than a decade. So I knew Jesus could be trusted with this stuff. And for some odd reason, that struck me funny that they did that to me. So I'm like, yeah, let's get to the meaning. Now, I have churches do this with me all the time. I said, well, but this was different. I didn't know what size this church was. I said, well, how many people are actually going to come to this meeting? I thought it'd be eight, right, or 10. Or if they invited their spouse, maybe 20. And they said, well, we have a, a staff of 130 people. <laughs> Okay, so this is a 10,000-member church. I walk into this humongous church. They had two sanctuaries. They had the main sanctuary that held uh, 3,000 people, and then they had an upper sanctuary that held about 1,000. So I go into the upper sanctuary, and they had a full cafeteria there, and they had walls kind of like this, and they had different rooms sectioned off. And so I go off into this section room where they, they feed the food from the cafeteria, and there's all these, these 130 people sitting in a circle, and they plop me down right in the middle of them. And they said, okay, Brian, here's the staff. <laughs> Would you please pray for him? I said, sure. And so I just started with the person on the left, and I said something like this. Okay, so the Father is always working, so it doesn't matter who I pray for, Jesus is going to show up and he's going to minister to him. And they just kind of looked at me like, okay, well, we'll see. I start praying for him. As I'm praying for him, the Lord starts coming and sharing his heart with them. And then one of the ones that was really a lot of fun, it was a 70-year-old guy that had a cane. I start praying for him and prophesying to him, and the Spirit of the Lord just kind of comes on him, and he kind of falls backward and throws his cane across the room and slams onto the ground. <laughs> and the, the people that are with me go, does that happen every time you do ministry? And I said, no, that's stuff Jesus likes to do every once in a while. And they're, and they're like, well, why is he doing that? And I said, because he wants to. I mean, how do you answer it any other way that? You can do all the theological, but that's what God wants to do. I, I, don't, I don't like it particularly, but I don't run the universe, so I don't have a say in this. And so I said, so I'm going to step over him, and I'm going to keep ministering. So he's, he's doing stuff that happens when the Spirit of the Lord comes. He's now, this is a 70-year-old guy. He's screaming, and then he's laughing, then he's screaming, and then he's laughing. He's kind of interrupting what's going on. But as I'm moving on in the group, every three or four people I'd pray for, boom, they'd hit the ground. So we're starting this thing where people are now getting laid out by the Lord all over the place. And by the time I get to the last person... More than 100 people are all laughing, carrying on, and, and just being literally filled by the Spirit of the Lord. Okay? And so I finished with the last person. I said, do you think that was adequate? And they're like, who knows? And so I thought, well, this is a Lutheran church. This will be the last time I'll ever do ministry, so I'm going to just enjoy it. And I said, thanks for letting me come. I thought, well, that's it. And so I leave. Um, so I go back home, don't hear anything from him. I tell my wife, I said, I, I really went to this really cool Baptist, uh, Baptist Lutheran church, 10,000 members, the Spirit of the Lord did all this. She said, what was their response? I said, well, I don't think I'll ever be back again, but it sure was a lot of fun. And so I'm just kind of doing what I'm doing. I come back the next month, the, the, the people that originally initiated me come back to me and they said, hey, um, we, we test and weighed every one of your words and uh, the Lord, you, you didn't miss one of them. And so we're going to go ahead and let you come and do ministry. I said, oh, well, thank you. And I said, well, what did you think about all that? And they said, well, we used to actually be part of the charismatic movement, but that was only part of our history. We haven't seen it in more than 15 years, the Spirit of the Lord doing that kind of stuff. Now, I don't know about you guys. God doesn't want you to have a history when his presence showed up. He wants that to be common in your life. 
That should be what everybody experiences when they walk in any place where you're at. They should expect the Spirit of the Lord to come in power and set people free. Would you guys turn your heart with me to the Lord now? And let's ask him to douse us with that. As the Father sent him, he wants to send us, okay? Holy Spirit, come. I ask that a fullness would come upon us again, O oh Lord. And I ask that a, 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 a shaking would come by your spirit so that our heart would be captured by first love again. Just let us be captured by first love again, Lord. This comes from first love. Restore it to us. Let your love just get us. Don't let it walk away from us, Lord. Pursue us. And Lord, in our life, if we've not paid attention to first love, forgive us. And bring a zeal back to us that aligns with your passionate pursuit in our lives and people we know. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Uh, the Lord wanted me to start with this. If you, uh, if I was kind of sensing this during the service. If you're struggling, you just kind of feel like you've been going through a season of being overwhelmed, would you stand? The Lord wants to minister to you. Just gone through a season where you feel like you've been overwhelmed. Now, please understand, if you're going through a season where you feel like you're, you've been overwhelmed, it's not just because you've been set apart to be persecuted or go through spiritual warfare. It usually means you're entering into a season of the Lord drawing you close. That's usually the response when you're trying to get close to the Lord. Would you guys put out your hands now and receive from the Lord? Holy Spirit, come. Bring your power. And Lord, you said that if we come to you and we are weary and heavy laden, you will give us rest. It's really renewal. Come and bring renewal to us right now. I break off anxiety, fear, and worry right now in the name of Jesus. And I ask, Lord, that a sense of your face, your shining of your blessing would come upon their hearts and their minds right now in the name of Jesus. And we bless your name, Lord. You are good. And we thank you for your goodness. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Uh, could I have you keep standing just for a moment? Your name is? I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> well, the Lord's been ministering to you the whole service, so I just want to pray a blessing over you. Would that be okay? Do you mind standing for a sec? Or could you do that? Okay, thank you. Um, I, could I have one of the women, whatever woman feels like, just come and put your hand on her shoulder and let's just let the Lord love on her for a sec. So the Lord wanted me to tell you that there's a leadership gift on your life and the Lord has been encouraging you that there's more favor that's actually going to come to you in that area. And it has to do, I don't know where you work, but I felt like the Lord saying where you work, he was actually going to give you favor in that area too. And the enemy has been lying to you for a season. He's been telling you that you've done something that the favor of the Lord is not with you, and that's a lie, and we stand against that right now in the name of Jesus. God is for you, and you're going to see the tangible blessing of the Lord is going to come to you again because that leadership gift that's in you is not just for what you do in the world. It's for what you're doing in the body of Christ. There is a calling up that Jesus is actually doing for you right now, and it's going to affect your prayer life. It's also going to affect how you speak for the Lord. You're going to be given a mouth that when you speak, it pierces people's hearts. Because he's wanting to show compassion through him. So just making her cry all over the place. Who has the ministry of Kleenex? <laughs> so let's just ask, Lord, would you just bless your daughter right now? Would you just let your goodness just rest upon her, oh Lord? I thank you for all that you're going to do in her life. Stir, Lord. Refresher. Thank you, mighty one. I bless your name, my Lord. Amen. You can stand there as long as you feel like. Would you mind standing? Yeah. Mind putting your hands out like it's Christmas or Thanksgiving or whatever you feel like putting your hands out for? Holy Spirit, bring your power and your presence.
So the Lord um, has defined you as being a teacher, but you're not done with the teaching he's going to have you do. Uh, he's re-inviting you into a place of actually, you've done really well at serving people and mentoring them. Now you're going to come up to another level of doing it. You're, you're actually not done. He wants me to give you this promise. Your latter house is going to be greater than your former house. And so all that you've been faithful with, that was actually you just getting ready for this season. So can I pray for that zeal to be released inside of you again? So Holy Spirit, come to your daughter right now and release the zeal of the Lord inside her soul. Gosh, I, I keep seeing a picture of you laying on your bed going, am I done or is this it? And I feel like the Lord is saying, no, that, that is not how I, he is not even close to being done with you. You're just ready to get set on fire in a unique, are you okay? <laughs> Where's the ministry of Kleenex again? <laughs> and so the, yours is going to be a zeal that's going to come to you. And God wants you to know that that river of living water is going to come into a greater depth in your life. So Holy Spirit, just cause that to come forth right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I bless what you're doing in your daughter's life. Now strengthen her and bless her in the name of Jesus. Amen. Is this your husband right here? What's your name, sir? Steve. Are you Steve? Were you at there Wednesday night? <laughs> okay, stand up, would you, Steve? Yeah, I know. Yeah, that, thanks. <laughs> if you know anything about Wednesday night, you know what that meant. Steve, please stand. Put your hands out like it's Christmas if you don't mind. Okay, so Lord, just come to Steve right now. Now, Steve, the Lord is trying to encourage you. If you will start laying hands on the sick, he's going to start healing through you. And it's actually going to even be more simpler. In fact, do you, do you sense that stirring that just hit you right there? That was the gift of faith and the Lord saying, you have a greater calling than you've actually been walking in. And it's time for you to accept that, okay? Accept the adventure that Jesus has actually called you into. And it's like you've gone through a season of just feeling like um, everything is hard and then you've just had a fight to get through it. That's lifting off of you. And you're going to recognize the peace and the goodness of the Lord pursuing you. And so, Lord, we stand as a group and say for him, let goodness and mercy follow him, pursue him, and overtake him all the rest of the days of his life. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you, Steve. He did a really good job. He needs, well, who has the ministry of Kleenex? He needs a Kleenex also. That, that really is a ministry. You can tell how good it is. I don't ever carry Kleenexes with me. But Now, would you guys do me a favor? Instead, Paul, do you need to make any announcements? So instead of just saying, hey, we're done, let's practice something. Ready? Let's stand and get with each other and just pray a blessing on each other. You pray for them, they pray for you, then we'll be done. So turn around, say hi to each other, let's do it.